0: This podcast is brought to you by Comics in Power, the comic book store for the blind and the visually impaired. Comicsinpower.com. <laughs> Welcome back. My name is Guy Hassan, and this is the Dreamcatcher Podcast, where every episode we try to find an answer to the question, can anything we imagine be created? I think it can. Let's try and prove me wrong. Today we're going to tackle this question. Can we have, can I have, I really want it, a flying city? Can we have flying cities? I'm talking about an entire city filled with houses, roads, stores, buses, libraries, sky-sky-skyscrapers, everything a city has. And I'm not talking about space. I'm talking about here, in the clouds. Can I have a city in the clouds just floating, flying in the air? I imagine a kind of an upside-down mountain, or a long circular disk and the city is on top of it, and even the upside-down mountain is floating. So in this episode, we're going to ask, can I have a flying city? Can we build, or will we ever be able to build a flying city? Now remember, these are the rules of the game, the rules of the podcast. We're not asking if it's smart to build a flying city. Not even if it's useful. Not even if the solution is wasteful or awful. This is a thought exercise. Will it be possible, just possible, to create something that we thought was a fantasy for so long? So, let's test it out. I asked my six-year-old daughter how she thinks we can create a flying city. And she immediately said, you need a lot of balloons. Now, if you've seen the movie Up, about the cantankerous old man who flies his house with helium balloons, that's, that's not the theory I want to test out. But there is something close enough to it that it might just work. So let's check if we could create a city on a surface that could be held up in the air by an army of Zeppelins, or as they were originally called, Zeppelins, uh, (laughs) the original German which we'll get to. The answer, as the saying goes, might surprise you. Now, the things I'm going to say next are going to sound as if they came from a crazy sci-fi book, or that I'm just pulling your legs or something. I assure you that I'm not. And the links in the show notes at Dreamcatcher. That vision at the website will link to all the different sources I used for this. Ready? I'm going to read you excerpts from a New Yorker magazine article called Helium Dreams. Subtitle, A New Generation of Airships is Born. Here we go. Quote, Igor Pasternak started thinking about airships when he was 12 Back then, in the 1970s, he loved rockets. One night, he was curled up in a soft green chair that doubled as his bed in the two-room apartment where he lived with his parents, his little sister and his grandmother, in the city of Lviv in western Ukraine. He was reading a magazine aimed at young inventors, and he came across an article about blimps. He saw old photographs of imposing wartime zeppelins and read about another kind of airship, which had never made it off the drawing board, an airship that carried not passengers, but cargo. It would be able to haul hundreds of tons, that's what what we're looking for, and continuing to quote, of mining equipment to remote regions in Siberia in one go. The article said, no roads, runways, or infrastructure needed. Just lift, soar, and drop. Igor wondered what the holdup was. He read the article again and again. He spent the summer in the library studying the history and aerodynamic principle of, of blimps. One day, on the way there, he looked into the sky, and the emptiness seized him. Where are all the airships? He asked himself. The world needs airships. His parents, civil engineers, thought that he would move on to more practical interests. Instead, Igor drew pictures and worked on equations. In high school, he formed an airship club and was invited to present his designs to a gathering of aerospace engineers in, in Moscow at Lviv National University, where he studied civil engineering. He established an airship design bureau. An airship design bureau, I said. By 1986... We're getting close to the present. By 1986, he had started a business manufacturing tethered blimps for advertising, one of the first private aerospace companies permitted under Mikhail Gorbachev's prehistorical reforms. In 1994, at the age of 29, Pasternak brought the business to the United States. He knew no English, he knew blimps. He rented an office in New York City, hired a translator, and proclaimed himself an American blimp maker. But he found no customers. He called his sister, Marina, who was also an engineer and had immigrated two years earlier with the rest of the family. They lived in California, and to pay the rent they had resorted to gluing envelopes for cash. They hadn't seen Seinfeld yet. Castle Air Force Base, about two hours south of San Francisco, had recently been scheduled to close, and the hangars that had once housed B-52 bombers were available for lease. Pasternak set up shop there with Marina, their father, and a few friends from Lviv. The first blimp they had built, the Aeros 50, was a 78-foot one seater which they sold to an Atlanta company to use for advertising during the 1996 Paralympic Games. We are getting there, Pasternak told Marina. By 2000, they developed the 40B Sky Dragon. That's a cool name, the 40B Sky Dragon, which featured an electronic steering mechanism, automated pressure control, and an optional set of spotlights inside the hull to create a dazzling night glow effect. Pasternak built several blimps at more than $2 million apiece for use by companies including MasterCard, Spalding, the Malaysia Tourism Board, and in Germany, Commerzbank. I hope I'm saying that right. End quote. Just before the article talks about the great blimps of 2016, which is the big invention here, the article delves into the past, of what blimps are, and what their history is. Quote, A blimp is just one type of airship, usually a small one, and always non-rigid meaning that it has no structural hull, Its shape is maintained by the pressure of the lifting gas within. It's basically a balloon with a rudder and a means of propulsion. The first one was built in 1852 by the French engineer Jules-Henri Gifford. Gifford, I'm probably saying that wrong. It was a hundred and forty-four feet long with a propeller and a three horsepower steam engine in 1900 in germany count ferdinand von zeppelin spelled with a z z e p p e l i n built something much larger and stronger adding a rigid aluminum frame long internal girders attached to flexible rings that formed a kind of rib cage a number of discrete cells each filled with hydrogen fit inside the rib cage and the entire ship was covered with fabric The first of these, the LZ-1, was 420 feet long, and Zeppelin kept making them bigger. He started the world's first airline company, DELAG, D-L-A-G, and by 1914, the service had made more than 1,500 flights, transporting upward of 10,000 people. This is 1914. Before long, Italy, Great Britain, the United States, and other countries began building airships. Imagine a world that, end quote, imagine a world filled with airships instead of airplanes. That's the world that existed when maybe your grandparents or your grand-grandparents were alive where transportation between countries was through huge blimps, huge flying balloons. We have completely transformed that world. And it's like that world never existed. And now the past looks like a scene from a futuristic sci-fi show, or an alternative history sci-fi show. Now here's a little piece of data I found both interesting and funny. Now you have to wait for it, but I promise you, you'll spot it. Promise. Quote, the gas cells of many of the early Zeppelins were made from so-called goldbeater's skin, cow intestines, beaten to a pulp, and then stretched it took 250,000 cows to make one airship. During the First World War, Germany and its allies ceased production of sausages so that there would be enough cow guts to make zeppelins from which to bomb England. End quote. <laughs> No more sausages for Germany. Early Zeppelins were built out of that stretchy thing that surrounds hot dogs. Which, by the way, yum. Anyway, the history... (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, the history lesson continues. Listen to this. Quote, advances in fabric manufacturing technology, including the invention in 1839 of vulcanized rubber, by the American merchant Charles Goodyear, prompted a frenzy of airship innovation. In the early 1930s, my grandparents, were two of them were 20-year-olds then, the U.S. Navy built two flying aircraft carriers, aircraft carriers, the Akron and the Mason, whose bellies would open to release fleets of F nine C sparhawk fighter planes. The ships crashed in separate storms before proving their battleworthiness, which perhaps may prove their battleworthiness. That's my addition. The quote continues. Then airships went away. On May 6, 1937, the Hindenburg exploded over Lakers, New New Jersey, in a ball of fire that killed 36 passengers and crew members. The tragedy was captured on film. The idea of people floating comfortably beneath a container of explosive hydrogen became, in an instant, ridiculous. End quote. Now, you may have thought that was the end, since you probably never heard of flying airships since, ever since you've been born, and, and but it turns out there have been many attempts and improvements in technology, and it starts with this. Instead of using hydrogen, which is flammable, as we've all seen, they use helium, the next gas over, which is not at all flammable. It's a stable gas. I almost said it was inflammable, but flammable and inflammable mean the same thing, so not that. Quote, A few early projects gained traction. In the 1970s, William Miller, a former Navy fighter pilot in New Jersey, tested the ship with an aerodynamic deltoid shape called the A 26 But Miller ran out of funds after just one test flight. Everywhere, the return of the airship kept being the almost return of the airship. Merely creating a prototype of a cargo airship required enormous capital, and prospective buyers were scarce. In Germany, Cargo Lifter AG got as far as building the world's largest freestanding building, more than a thousand feet long, in which the company planned to construct a helium-filled, semi-rigid cargo hauler but Cargo Lifter filed for bankruptcy in 2002. In March 2015, the U.S. House of Representatives set up the bipartisan Cargo Airship Caucus with the goal of accelerating development. In recent years, the aerospace heavyweights Boeing and Northrop Grumman have developed airships Russia, Brazil and China have built or conceived prototypes and Canada has designs for a few of them including the solar ship which looks like a bloated stealth bomber, with solar panels spread across the top helium filled wings. All are racing to be first to corner a cargo market that may be worth billions. Three projects are currently currently this is we're talking twenty fifteen, currently attracting the most attention the Airlander 10, which is scheduled to launch next month in England, Lockheed, Mart- Lockheed Martin's LMH-1, and Pasternak's Aeroscraft, the machine he first envisaged as a boy in Lviv. End quote. Now let's stop and go back to the year 2000 where we stopped with the Pasternak story. Here's what happened right after that. Inside Hangar 1 was a Sky Dragon cloud-white, a 152 feet long, with a pointy nose, four stabilation fins, jutting from the rear, and a royal blue gondola with a two-wheeled landing gear underneath. This one is already finished, Pasternak said. The Sky Dragon is still his best-seller, featuring a glass cockpit and a thousand-pound payload capacity for radar surveillance equipment. On a single day... Listen to this. September 11th, 2001. The market for Pasternak's advertising blimps collapsed and the market for surveillance blimps was born. One day we wake up and we become defense company, he said. Thailand had recently bought a 40D for patrolling its borders, and Pasternak was working on a deal to sell a surveillance package to Ukraine so that its military could keep an eye on the Russians. End quote. But now Pasternak is working on his aircraft. The aircraft will come in three sizes. The ML-866 will be 555 feet long and able to carry 66 tons of cargo. The ML-868 will be about 30% larger, larger, with a capacity of 250 tons. And the ML-86X will be 920 feet Nearly three football fields, long, 215 feet, more than the Tower of Pisa, high, 355 feet, two Boeing 747s wide, and able to carry 500 tons. The letters, ML, in the name, are a tribute to Marina and to a friend, livron who died in 2000 in an accident in the hangar. To get an idea of the scale of the ML86X, imagine a flying elongated Houston Astrodome holding a hundred and fifty elephants. The cargo would sit inside the enormous belly of the ship and there would be no danger of dropping it on the people below. End quote. Now we're getting closer to what we're looking for. A floating, flying city. If one blimp can hold over 500 tons, imagine an army of hundreds of blimps holding up a small city. Sure, the sky would be crowded with blimps, but we're not going for beauty. Not yet. We're asking, can we build what we imagine? Can this thing ever exist? And it turns out, we can. The bottom line is, if there is one way to do it, it's likely there's another way to do it as well. And we, using technology that's here and coming very soon, can create a city that floats in the air. So the results of the test are this. Today we asked, can we have a flying city? And the answer is, yes, we can have a flying city. So far, we're four for four. Tune in next time, where we're going to ask another crazy question, and see if it is possible to make. And we want to know, can any fantasy become reality? I'm Guy Hassan. The website is dreamcatcher.vision, where we have videos and pictures of the Sky Dragon, as well as a link to the original article, which has a lot more than I read to you. On Twitter, I'm at DreamcatcherPod, and if you want to email me with comments, with questions about stuff that can't be done, suggestions, or with solutions to things that can be done, send them to hello at dreamcatcher.vision. Dreamcatcher uh, is written without spaces or anything in between. So if you have something for me, I want to hear it. Be with us next time on the Dreamcatcher Podcast. <laughs>